Episode 7, Human Resources is Tricky Business for Small Business. As the boss, you're wearing all the hats, and knowing which one to put on is tough. And emotions. There's weighing the good of the person against the good of the whole team. It's difficult and sometimes heart-wrenching. And sometimes cause for a stiff drink. And we have a stiff drink. The Speakeasy Podcast. Honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This week, we're drinking the Dark and Stormy. It's a dark-spiced rum with some ginger beer, and it's got origins in the Caribbean, which is kind of fun. So it's sort of like a little vacation in a highball glass. And even the illustration on the Kraken looks like the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. This illustration is beautiful. And I've told you guys before, I'm all about the label. It's a beautiful bottle and a great spiced rum. I'm not normally a rum drinker. How about you? No, almost never. But check this thing out. It's delicious, right? Right. So I feel like the even the name of it is dark and stormy, so I kind of feel like the name is fitting for a conversation about human resources. <laughs> Something dark and terrible and hard to navigate. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when everything's going well, you have nothing to do with human resources. It's when something's not going well that it becomes dark and stormy. True. Actually, though, if you're doing your human resources the whole time, maybe it doesn't ever get dark and stormy? Hopefully, but are you, are you doing human resources all the time? No. You're billing. <laughs> this is the problem. As entrepreneurs, um, we're very self-motivated and driven. It's hard for people like me to remember that other people need motivation and they need direction. Sometimes you just see it as people aren't paying attention or they're slacking, but they're not. No. So that's c- certainly, do you feel like that's one of your blind spots? Oh, for sure. I feel like my staff must know that I love them and that I think they're brilliant. Otherwise, why would I have them be here? So let's move on and get the work done. The truth of the matter is you have to remember to remind people sometimes. Yeah. Well, do you think that's because as business owners, we know the strategic vision at the cellular level and we assume people know what that is or we forget to communicate it to others? And so that's when we see kind of that that gap where people do need motivation because yeah. we haven't informed them. That's true because I think what a couple of episodes back we talked about recognition and I think we're both very good at telling our team this is a great job and that's beautiful but that's different than letting people understand the reason why you're doing it and the sort of the higher calling of why you're spending your days here. And so that understanding at the cellular level like you said about why do we do great work and why should we be listening to our clients and what's the benefit of doing it in the vision that this company has, that's the part we forget. I think maybe sometimes for me, um, I have the similar blind spot in terms of I assume everybody's as self-motivated as I am and that seeing different behavior shows up as something not so good. But I think maybe where my failure is, is that I probably don't communicate the priority as well as I think I do. So day-to-day business and those needs takes precedence over clearly communicating strategy or big high-level priorities because we're just kind of like, you know, trying to get through stuff. I think sometimes different employees have mind share that they want attention for, which is great because they're bringing value to the table, but it can dilute the focus a little bit. Does that make sense? Sure. Yes, that makes sense. For me, I feel as if I have always struggled with something as simple as an employee manual. We're a small business. We're in the creative industry. We don't need a detailed employee manual because everybody knows we're here to have fun. There's a stocked fridge and a bar cart. Yay. 
Whereas a corporate environment would have a deep, deep employee manual, a human resources department, that all feels so heavy and difficult, and so I want to rebel against it. That's not who we are. We're cooler than that. We're easier to work for than that. Any environment needs its set of rules and it needs its set of mores so that people can be marching in the right direction and they can be excited about the same things, right? So I struggle because I feel like, well, people know we're supposed to work hard. Articulating it clearly really just makes it so much easier and I'm very bad at it sometimes. I think that maybe on the day-to-day I'm not as good at communicating that, those types of things. We do have a formal employee manual. Yeah, we do too. And the way that I explain it is no different than any contract that you would have with a client. You know, you have a letter of an agreement or a client set out with, you know, one of your partners or one of your clients and or even, for example, my business partner. And, and I always see those official documents as this is what we reference when things aren't going well. We don't have to pay much attention to it. But if you have questions that might be answered there. Or if it's not going well, we've already laid out the plan for how we're going to handle it. And what that comes down to is that there's equity in the way that you're handling situations. There shouldn't be surprises. I think we, you know, it goes back to those uncommunicated expectations. You know, it's that you were just saying like, you know, it's fun to work here. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But I think where I have an HR blind spot is when I get going, I literally put on blinders. I'm like the horse on the racetrack where I can't see side to side because I can only see exactly where I'm headed. And sometimes my very generous and uh, helpful business partner reminds me that my blinders are on. And I have to take pause and make sure that people understand where we're going and why, like you were saying before. And if you don't do that, your employees are going to have different assumptions or they're going to have a collective conversation and and decide on what their target is. And sometimes that's not where you're It's not where you're at. It's not where your eyes are headed. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think one of the places where I struggle with HR, too, is different employees come in at different places in time and different places in their growth. So balancing equity and equality. Um, Some employees need more mentoring or they might need a little bit more help with direction or we might need to work through some of their skill sets or they might just need a little bit of understanding about why are we doing what we're doing and what does the client think, whereas other employees maybe pick it up a little more naturally because they're farther along in their career. So HR is and employee mentoring, I suppose, is not equal And that's hard for me, too, because I want people to each get the same amount of service, but that's not practical. So I struggle with how to make that balance. Yeah, and then you're talking about kind of the day-to-day maintenance of making sure your team has what they need to do their jobs and also then that talent development. And that that is such a customized process. And I think that's, um, you know, you've told me stories before about how you've you know, really grown your talent and been a mentor. And I I always really respect that you take the time and you really think through so level-headedly how you want to address those things and what you say in the process to kind of get somebody to at least take the leap in the direction that you're hoping them to go in. To me, in a small business, it's terrifying oftentimes because we are wearing all of those hats. So we're both the boss and the mentor and the collaborator and the person who controls the paycheck, and the person who controls the benefits. And so knowing which piece to put on and which piece to attend to at each time is very hard, especially when you're on deadline and your blinders are on, and reminding yourself that you have to go back and remember those things is 
or you have to go back and attend to those things is overwhelming to me sometimes. I mean, it's true that you hold all of those cards, but I think it's important too, at least from my standpoint, I want to make sure that my team knows that I am also an employee of this organization. Right, that's true. So, you know, Render Studios is not Karen and David, and Karen and David is not Render Studios. It is, it's it's its own living and breathing organization that pays its own taxes, has its own bank accounts, and I am an employee of. And so, While, of course, there are benefits to being an entrepreneur because you have assumed that greater financial risk, I don't get a raise if I don't do the work. I don't get a bonus if I don't do the work. There have been years where at the end of that fiscal year, I've looked at the amount remaining and I've decided to give other people raises and I haven't taken a raise. Oh, that happens all the time. I'd say every entrepreneur has been in that boat. Yeah. For sure. But we don't communicate that to staff because it feels awkward. It feels like you're patting yourself on the back, but you're just doing what it is that you need to do. In my view, at least, I feel like I'm taking care of the people who have taken care of the organization, making sure that they know that they're valued and that their hard work is appreciated, and I figure I'll catch up at some point. The challenge then for me, for me, human resources, is circling back with myself and making sure that, that I take care of myself, too. So tell me a little bit about motivation in your company. How do you motivate your staff? You know, I I do feel like my staff is incredibly self-motivated. And when, from a client project standpoint, I have either team meetings or one-on-one meetings asking for input, asking for inspiration, asking for different tactics or executions that they might feel fits the kind of the target or the expected outcome. And then there are other times where, especially when it comes to non-client projects, I will say, this is something that we need. Who would like to take that on? And if I don't have a volunteer, which I often do, almost always I have a volunteer, but if I don't have a volunteer, I'm not afraid to look around the room and say, hey, you know, I need you to step up on this. Can you do that? And so um, I don't know if that's motivating or delegating. I really feel like each person on my team is very self-motivated. That's why they are still around. And, and I think that's also why we all fit really well with one another. You have a pretty, it seems like your, your team has mastered efficient and honest communication, which I think is an important part of human resources. I think we have that. I'd like to believe that we really do. I I don't take it lightly when I say I have an open door policy. I want to know when something goes wrong in the moment. I really don't want to know that somebody has festered or suffered over something that is perceived or real. I just, I don't like surprises. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't accept that other people would like those either. You process things faster than other people, don't you? I do process pretty quick. I'm quick to move. Quick move. How do you communicate your expectations of your staff? I feel like I'm pretty clear. We have a few things that are very particular, little things like it's very important to me that you're on time in the morning. It's very important that you don't leave a task undone so that another staff member has to do it. So there are a few things that are really golden rules. Don't leave another staff member hanging. Don't leave a client hanging. How you go about getting to your answer, I'm very open about. And the the truth of the matter in our business, while we might hire somebody called a graphic designer or called a social media manager, we expect, and I'm very clear with my employees, that I expect lots of wraparound creativity and lots of wraparound problem solving. So the title that might be on your business card is not the only thing you're doing in a day. And I think I make that expectation pretty darn clear. So creativity and problem solving 
is a wraparound function. If, if you've been hired to do graphic design, I expect that you're going to do that excellently. That is the price for entry. What I hire for then, assuming that everyone I would hire would have excellent skills in that category, what I hire then for is the ability to be a good team member, to help in different locations, sure. to pitch in when somebody's in a pinch, to give insight or strategy, even if it isn't the client you're working on today. So that I think we've made pretty darn clear. How people get there is very wide open. You can't prescribe that in a small business like ours. You can't prescribe how to grow. You can't prescribe what that path looks like with creatives. We're just all too squirrely for that. We are a little squirrely. So where do you feel like if uncommunicated expectations is an HR blind spot, what are your uncommunicated expectations? What do you think you forget? Well... I think that people know that. Everything I've talked about, I think people know walking in that we want excellence. I forget that people do need a reminder and we need to revisit the goal. You know, you always have to bring people back around and say, hey, this is this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why it's important. I'm terrible at that. I assume people know that thing and they're just going to proceed accordingly. I feel very impatient with having to round back on the vision and round back on client service and say, remember, it's important to do blah, blah, blah. Because to me, it's so inherent that it it feels like it shouldn't even need to be said, but it does. That's not a realistic expectation for me that everyone is going to stay 100% engaged with our goals or our vision or expectations without a quarterly reminder or something along those lines. And it doesn't have to be an angry memo or whatever. Right. It can be an inspiring chat on a Monday morning at a production meeting saying, okay, you guys, there's this is the reason we do this. This is why it's so great. I can't wait to see everybody perform. Um, I tend to forget that because I'm busy trying to get the work done. Right. I don't know. Hard work. I think that my uncommunicated expectation is, so everything for me goes in cycles. So when I'm really, really slammed on uh, new business, um, we may be finishing some projects and delivering some projects. So there might be, you know, somebody might have an afternoon where they have already met everything, uh, met all of their deadlines and met all of their needs. But for me, like, it's never done. It's Ever. never done. And so I have an uncommunicated expectation that people knock on my door and say, I'm free this afternoon. Is there anything I could do to help? Why do you have to communicate that expectation? Isn't that obvious? But nobody's ever knocked on my door and said, I have a free afternoon. Can I help you? So it's clear that I need to communicate that, right? But that's the kind of thing I just assume is obvious. I would fall off my chair. (laughs) How can I help you today? I don't know. I think because I think part of my leadership style, I I check in with everybody every day to make sure that if I have to close my door and write, and I'm unavailable because I really need to focus on what I'm doing, I make sure that I check in with everybody that they have what they need and that I'm not the holdup before I then go make myself unavailable. And so, I don't know, I I think I have an uncommunicated expectation that people would do the same, like, hey, I'm available, can I help you with anything? Because that would be like utopia, like, oh, somebody's at my door. (laughs) I think one of my uncommunicated expectations, I feel like I've communicated this, but also I've been in business for a lot of years and had a lot of faces in and out of the staff. So I don't, that's one of my problems is I've stated this once, but 
turns out that person moved to Amsterdam, so he's not here to remember it or something like that. Right. But If um, you don't say it once a year, you've never said it. If you don't say it once a year, you've never said it. That's a really good piece of advice. But my expectation is give me a heads up. If you are going to have something personal going on that's strange, if you're going to need an accommodation in your schedule, I want to be as accommodating as possible. I would like advance notice. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I uh, really love and, and respect about you is that you are such a people-focused person. I I perceive that I am the same way, but we love on our teams. I mean, I I am a hugger, and I probably could hug my team members every day, and I don't. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of my team members is on vacation right now, and before he left, I wanted to give him a big squeeze, like, be safe. But, and, you know, I try really hard not to mother my my team members, but I do love them all. But one of the things I know about you and something that I have done, not in a, not recently, but a long time ago, is I have waited too long to have the inevitable conversation. The, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me, or I'm sorry, it is you, it's not me. <laughs> you mean letting someone go? Yeah, I think, I think both of us have waited too long to fire people. Oh, sure. I think firing somebody or letting somebody go is probably the hardest thing as a business owner you can do. It's, yes. it's challenging, it's scary, you feel tons of regret and insecurity about it, oftentimes. And so many times you want to make it work. And almost everyone who has worked for us has been a really great person, had lots to offer, and I always want to try to make it work, and I always try to want to try to make it fit. Sometimes it becomes clear that what they need out of their career and what Redhead needs out of that position do not align, and I have put that off for months when I should not have at uh, all. I put it off for years once, and it just became so uncomfortable. And underperformance by a nice person is still underperformance. And hope is not a business strategy. Hoping that they will improve is not a strategy. No, it's true. So here's a strategy. Is this a strategy? Just waiting until they're unhappy enough to leave? I've done that before. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I, that's why I wasted a couple of years on somebody once. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to make light no. of it at all because it's caused lost sleep. It's certainly caused lost revenue because of underperformance. But on my side, it's caused unbelievable hand-wringing and loss of sleep. And, and I think at some point it becomes... It becomes the white elephant at work. Everybody else knows sure. that the writing's on the wall. And then what are you, what are those uncommunicated things that you're sharing with the rest of your team that you will, that, that's appropriate or that you will accept? Sure. When, when someone's not performing, it becomes clear to their team members almost immediately. So what, the, what your team realizes that, is that you're comfortable with that lack of performance and that it's okay. And that can breed resentment so quickly that that can be an HR blind spot if, if as the leader you're not paying attention, that festering and it can bleed over into the whole agency's demeanor if you're not careful. It's tricky. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, sometimes because it's a blind spot, I think it's because it just takes a lot of time to root cause the issue. You know, is the person going through something personal? I reflect a lot. So am I just not giving them what they need to be successful? What's my role in the underperformance, if there is any? But at the end of the day, it, sometimes it takes longer to root cause than it does just to address the issue. Um, and so we put it off because um, we've talked about priorities in the past. And, you know, nobody's going to put on their to-do list, root cause the HR issue. <laughs> That's never been on my to-do list. No, I don't, I don't think it's been on mine either. Sometimes you see the writing on the wall pretty quick, but you hope that it's fixable. You hope that it's something you can modify 
and sometimes it really just isn't. Finding the bravery to make that decision efficiently is one of my biggest human resources challenges. It just is. I think I'm better at it than I was before, but I'm not great at it and maybe never will be. Because you're human and you care about people. Yeah, I yeah, think I do. I absolutely. Know. I suppose I, I care about you people. <laughs> Over time, I think we do learn to assess those problems and take action to move a little faster than maybe we have earlier in our career to either uh, lay out a plan for improvement or say, hey, did you know why I took you off that project? Or next time, this is how we're going to do it different so that you can reduce failure for your team. Obviously, I mean, you, this is all going on while you're making sure that you're delivering for your clients. So hopefully that's never, never transparent to the client if you're addressing it appropriately. Hey, listeners, we could actually use your help for one of our upcoming episodes. What did you do 10 years ago that was really a great idea or really not so much of a great idea? What do you wish you could have done differently? What are your blind spots or your pitfalls? Let us know. Or if you have great advice for us, we'll take that too. You could give us ideas on all the social channels. Facebook is a great place for this conversation. You can find us at Easy Underground. You can also check our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes by searching Easy Underground. It seems ideas are a dime a dozen in our industry, don't you think, Jen? Yeah, they're everywhere. But the problem is, what makes a good idea stick? And even fewer good ideas are really executed excellently. In our next episode, we'll be talking about how some of those great ideas really take root. And we'll also be analyzing our own barriers in getting ideas executed. Creativity's tough, so we're going to be giving some props to people that we think have done it really well. 